4: Time we're getting excited about second. From now on it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat! I want Judy! I want Judy! I want you to want this shit! Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me! Budget needed
5: again! Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vowels on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? hey buddy how are you <laughs> doing good stay, shade i'm trying to stay positive positive. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we don't want to be a disgrace you know how that goes but i'll tell you what's not a disgrace Shane. we are in game week so no more off season officially i know last week was a game week for florida and we've been in game week for texas a&m because i got the thursday but I don't know. Now it's really hit me because on Monday here, we got about half a dozen pressers here. Everyone's out here talking. You know, they're not saying a a ton because I, I think they're at the point. They're in game week. They don't want to reveal anything, but it's uh, Saturday. I'm just looking forward to it. It's going to be an all-day marathon.
6: Absolutely. My ass ain't leaving the couch, Mike. <laughs> <laughs>
5: we got a lot to hit on, Shane, so let's start. But before we go around the league, we found some clips here we thought we should share. Let's start with old Steve Spurrier, Shane. So, obviously, when Felipe Franks threw his second interception of Week 0, everybody in the world's, what in the hell is was he thinking? And that was the look. They, they cut to Steve Spurrier's face right away, man, him just shaking his head. Steve <laughs> Spurrier was asked about that on Monday. Uh, we've got a reaction of what was going on in the uh, head ball coach's mind when he saw that.
7: I was just like, uh, yeah, I was like, <laughs> man, what's he doing? What, what happened? And, uh, uh,
8: they had a pass play on that just wasn't there, and, and he tried to force it, I guess, and uh, threw it right to the guy. Fortunately, we got the guy down, and, and fortunately, they had a penalty on the play. They put him from the 25 all the way back to the 40. If they had been on the 25, it might have kicked the field, I don't know. But... Uh, Somehow or another,
5: it all worked out for the games. All right, Shane. So even the mastermind, the head coach there, he had the same reaction as all of us. What in the world was going on there? Dude, I'd love to
6: have an unedited Steve Spurrier. I wish <laughs> I was sitting beside him, you know, because when this interception ha- happened, this video went viral, man, of Steve Spurrier. And if you ain't got, if you ain't seen it, then you haven't been on Twitter or Reddit lately because it's all over the place. (laughs) It was ultimate man. And the memes that have come off, this is just as cool. But yeah, he said, he said exactly what everybody else was thinking, you know, and it wasn't that, you know, he wasn't blaming Mullen for that throw. You know what I'm saying?
5: (laughs) (laughs) Well, stay in here, Shane on the the theme of disrespect in Kentucky. It's something we've been hitting on the past couple weeks, a lot of disrespect for the big blue and Cash Daniel, their outstanding defensive leader, he's getting disrespected on the bass fishing tour, Shane. Oh, geez.
4: Allegation that someone was putting the fish on the hook and that you were recreating the catch. Would you like to comment?
8: Uh, you know, for them to make that allegation is absolutely preposterous. Uh, it's, uh, it's blasphemous, as as Stephen A. Smith would, would say. So you're saying you, you caught the fish? I caught the fish. I caught the fish. Okay.
4: That allegation, do you think that's – the worst thing thats something that could be said about an amateur professional fisherman
8: yeah i believe so i believe if, if you're not getting credit for you know the fish you're catching then you know that's pretty disrespectful but you know we have known some we've had to have some people fish some tournaments you know that if it's say if it's thursday night tournament they'll go out and fish monday and tuesday catch fish time up in the back of a holler and then go back up in there and get them on on the on the uh, tournament night and they come back in and wham yeah they caught them but they didn't catch them that night but for somebody to say that i haven't been catching my own fish if you know me, and you know me, how how serious I am about my bass fish, you know how offended I am that somebody even remotely said that about me.
5: All right, Shane, so people really questioning <laughs> Cash
8: Daniel's bass fishing. And
5: uh, I don't know if you know this, Shane, So Cash Daniel, not only is he on the Kentucky football team, he's on the Kentucky bass fishing team. Oh, snap. Biggest fisherman on the lake, man.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
5: oh. I just, thought, I just thought this was hilarious. I thought we should add it in here. You know, it's funny because we have – everybody's been pushing
6: him toward wrestling, you know. Like if the NFL <laughs> doesn't work out, you need to be a wrestler. But you talk to Cash, man, it's all about fishing. That's his thing. So he'll he'll have some sort of outdoor channel. You
5: just wait and watch. Last thing before we go around the league, Shane, we can just touch on this briefly if you want, but I just thought this was kind of unusual. SEC Nation, the SEC Network pregame show – they announced their location already for week 2, Shane. They're going to West Virginia at Missouri. And that's kind of a head scratcher for me. What was what's your reaction to seeing West Virginia at Missouri on SEC Nation? Week 2? Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of
6: surprised. West Virginia, it's not this isn't last year's West Virginia. A lot of people are talking like they're going to be a garbage team this year. Unless they're just, you know, excited to see, you know, Kelly Bryant in action first time or see what this Missouri offense has to you know I mean we're talking week two though because I mean they've already played so was there no other options
5: I mean surely there was a better game out there well the main one I would have went with Shane Arkansas at Ole Miss it's the only SEC game on the slate I think that's a pivotal game for both of those teams so it, it would have made a lot of sense for me to get the, those two on SEC Nation BYU at Tennessee I think that's obviously going to be an intriguing game. And then this is probably third place, but the rest of the games are all non-conference games. And the two big ones, Shane, Texas A&M at Clemson and LSU at Texas. I mean, you can't take SEC Nation to at a conference school. So uh, that's why, I, I mean, normally if, if LSU was hosting Texas, that's an obvious one. Or if right. Texas A&M is hosting Clemson, that's an obvious one. But, yeah, I, I mean, this is a third place. So I'm not saying this is terrible because uh, – you know, I, I saw people on Twitter saying this will be the home opener for Missouri, and they've renovated their stadium, and mm-hmm. just you know, there's excitement with Kelly Bryant and all that. So I get all that. I'm not, I'm not saying this was a terrible idea. I just, uh, I just didn't see this one coming. I guess is is really my point.
6: Yeah, no, and honestly, I thought it was at West Virginia. That's that's what kind of blew my mind because I've never seen them go to a uh, another stadium. So that's 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 not allowed. Is that what you're saying?
5: Well, I don't know if it's allowed or not, but. It just doesn't make much sense to take the SEC Network pregame show to a Big 12 or or Pac 12 school. You know what I mean? It just yeah, it's got to be no, SEC. I, I think.
6: No, I agree. I, but here you had an opportunity to watch two SEC teams, so I think uh, I think this was a little premature. I think there's enough Missouri games that they could have, you know, snuck up there later
5: in the season. All right, Shane. Enough of all that. You ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go, now around, the go league. around the league. Um, around the league. Um,
0: We haven't decided how we're going to play the guys, so, and I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it.
1: No, I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. all our players I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, you just hear it over and over, and, you know, like every other, every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that you play at practice, so you just uh, get used to it. It's a catchy
8: tune, right? I mean,
0: this game's going to be a street
8: fight. This game's going to be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC. So, I man, it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat. Launch bell. Let's get to work. All right, Shane, we've got to
5: start with the topic we've been hitting on, it seems like, for two months, even though it's only been a couple weeks here. Woo pig! Arkansas finally finally named a starting quarterback Shane and Chad Morris it's like he knew he knew people were on the edge of their seat on their presser Shane I did not edit this to to put it in reverse order this is how the man introduced it he came out here he's throw he's praising John Steven Jones he's pra- praising KJ Jefferson I was I was like oh my god he's really going to do it he's really going to put one of these guys out there uh, but here's Chad Morris. Let's throw it to him. And like I said, this is unedited. This is how the man presented it. <laughs> I can't believe he didn't just come out and say it. But uh, this, was, uh, this was my favorite moment of
1: Monday. You've been asking. Everybody's wanting to know. Can't go anywhere. People want to know who the starting quarterback is. I get that. And uh, But I'll tell you this. I've been highly impressed by the improvement and the competition at this position. And I think it, uh, the growth in one year from John Stephen Jones – that he's shown us and has shown his teammates um, is is in in the track that he's on uh, to having an incredible career here. Uh, KJ Jefferson, his athleticism, as we've all seen, we all knew that coming in, and his playmaking ability um, is well ahead of where we thought he would be as a true freshman coming in here in just a short uh, three weeks of camp. Um, So his starting point was definitely uh, much higher, and his growth Uh, through camp uh, has shown great promise. Um, Everything's earned in this program. Nothing's given. And Ben has earned the right to start and will be our starter week one uh, going into Portland State, Ben Hicks. Uh, The competition between Ben and Nick uh, has been impressive, to say the least, over three weeks. Uh, Nick has done a great job and has picked up the offense uh, in a few short weeks um, and has an incredible skill set. And we're excited to watch his continued growth and knowledge uh, of this offense and the understanding of the, uh, this offense um, in weeks to come. Um, but we feel very confident in Ben and um, in his complete overall knowledge, as you would expect. Ben has been in this offense for three years, um, been here since January. Uh, Nick has been in this offense for three weeks. And, but to, to see the growth of what Nick has done over three weeks has been extremely impressive. And uh, I think Ben has an incredible command for, for everyone and where everyone should be. We gotta, we're going to play a lot of young guys. Uh, and that alone is, was the main deciding factor, um, is his ability to know where everybody's supposed to be, to be able to get our offensive line in the right protection, and, have, and do it at a pace to where the game, because of his experience, is a little bit slower. Um, so experience and the knowledge of the offense, and, and the, playing a lot of the young guys. But for questions, sure. Well, I, I uh, we've definitely got to continue to get Nick's um, experience up. So you know the game will dictate a lot, but I do anticipate uh, um, having an opportunity to play uh, quarterbacks, additional quarterbacks, that like me and Nick and. Um, so it, we, we really started talking about this in-depth Saturday night. And then uh, so we just came to the conclusion that the, the, the main deciding factor was the fact that with the amount of young players that we're going to put on the field week one, um, that Ben's overall understanding of where everybody needed to be, not that Nick doesn't have that, but Ben's got a better command naturally three years into it, um, but we've been very impressed with with Nick and and uh, be able to bring him along.
5: All right, Shane. So how great was that? I mean, he he really made us wait all wait just. I mean, he talked there for ninety seconds before he got around to saying who was the starter, <laughs> didn't he? Oh yeah, it was more like let me lead off by talking about
6: Jones since his you know his papa's sending <laughs> a lot of money to the university here. He's a great kid. He's really improved. He almost had the job, but uh, he didn't. KJ, hell of an athlete, just not ready yet. And uh, you know, I think we're gonna roll with Ben just because we feel like he's a little better, you know. But I really like Starkle. You know, that's kind of what this conversation sound like. And and I, I don't, I don't think. I mean, how, let me ask you, Mike. Over under, how many games do you think it takes to have a quarterback change in Arkansas? Because I'm not confident at Ben right now because that did not. I mean, he talked. He talked up. Jones more than he did Ben Hicks in this thing so
5: how how long before we see a quarterback change well I think it really depends on that week two trip to Oxford Shane if they if they drop to Ole Miss Ole Miss is going to be so bad I keep saying yeah. it. I know I know you're not on board with that and I'm not I'm not trying to piss off those fans it's just that's just my honest opinion if Arkansas loses to Ole Miss they gotta make that change and they may lose it because of Ben Hicks but you know, I don't want to. I don't want to criticize him because I saw a ton of that, Shane. I thought it was unfair to him. Uh, I mean, you had so many people, and it's not all the Razorback fans. I mean, Razorback fans Shane, Some of the best fans in the SEC. So I'm not saying it's all of them. It's cert- I I would say it's <laughs> the vast majority are not even doing it. But hell, Shane, I saw their senior linebacker Dijon Harris and a couple others kind of come out and say. You know, let's, re- let's stop trashing him. Let's get behind him. And I'm like, my God, this was an hour after they – or less than an hour after they named the starter. So <laughs> a lot of Arkansas fans out on this kid already. Let's see what he can do. Maybe, you know, what happens if, uh, surely to God, they're going to beat Portland State. And what if they turn around and whip Ole Miss? Like I think they certainly could. Uh, I think then then you rally behind this young guy. I mean, he came there. But, he, he picked them. Remember that. You know, he didn't yeah. have to go to Arkansas. He could have went somewhere else and – I just, I don't like seeing him trashed. But I know. the
6: problem is when you got coach out here, he didn't come out and just talk about Hicks just blowing everybody away. He almost said, Starkle's only been here three weeks. Let's give him a little more time to learn the system. And that's the kind of vibe that your coach gave. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that Stark, that Hicks was the best quarterback in that room. It's just, it felt like Starkle's just not ready yet.
5: Right. No, I see what you're saying. But I also think. Man, I just think in today's day and age with these quarterbacks, Shane, you you almost have to like praise the guys that lost. You know what I mean? Yeah. To, to let them no. know how close they are, because you don't want them all to transfer. I'm not saying any of these guys would transfer. You know, we got some young guys, and obviously Starkle's a graduate transfer, so it would be pretty stupid for him to pack up and leave. But I mean, who knows? I mean, we've seen we're seeing recruits come to campus and then leave, and then come back to camp. I mean, it's just yeah. a, it's just a wild time. So. I see what you're saying uh, it sound I mean he obviously led the led the door open there for Nick Starkle and Ben Hicks to play and once Starkle gets a better grasp he probably will be the guy but uh, I, I want to give Ben Hicks a chance before you know it just I, I think it's wrong to tear him apart like so many or some oh, like, like some people are doing it not not all people but some people I, I agree and Morris should
6: have came out two weeks ago and said you know what Hicks is our guy. Starkle's getting better. He's still learning the system. And then went that way, Mm -hmm. then trying to make this a a show. And then, you know, I think this is the most people I've ever seen in that that audience listening to Morris talk, (laughs) you know, over the quarterback. So he created this circus. So, you know, there's going to be some – Backlash, especially from what's happened last year with the quarterbacks juggling around. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested. That second, like you said, I don't think we're going to have much to
5: see in week one, but week two with Old Miss, yeah, we could we could see some action. I think you hit on something smart, though, Shane, on one of our last podcasts when you said it's a mistake to split up these reps. If that's what cost Starkle the job where he wasn't getting enough reps, mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that old Chad Morris is going to have to answer for, I think.
6: Oh, I like that. Smart. That's smart. That was a smart comment right there, Mike. You're <laughs> right. Very smart. I like that.
5: Final thing here on Arkansas, Shane, TJ Hammonds, man. I hope this guy is, is all right. I don't know what his story is here, but, you know, he left the team. He came back to the team. Now he's uh, suspended for four games. So he's not a star player by any means, but a senior who is a, a holdover from the of era. It just—it just doesn't seem like it's going too well for him. That's—you uh, never want to lose depth at the running back position, and then mm-hmm. true freshman Trey Knox—he's uh, been out with a, what's been described as an illness, but he's been out for a little while, so that's kind of dangerous. But sounds like they expect him back to practice, according to Chad Morris. They really need Trey Knox. I think he's going to be their number one receiver by the end of the season. I agree with you, man. The kids—the kids dynamite. All right, Shane. Let's jump on down to Starkville. Well, Joe Moorhead had quite a bit to say about his quarterback, Tommy Stevens, and I thought uh, the most interesting thing here, Shane, uh, they, Mississippi State, announced team captains today on Monday, Darrell Williams, Errol Thompson, Tommy Stevens, Brian Cole. And uh, Cody (laughs) Schinzineriter. No idea. I apologize there, Cody. I do not know how to say her name. But the point being, this was elected by the team, not the coaches or anything. And I just thought, you know, it really surprised me that Tommy Stevens has already earned that recognition. And that's something Joe Moorhead hit on here on his Monday presser.
2: And I want to talk a little bit about our team captains. Uh, in, addition, in addition to uh, Errol, William, Errol Thompson and uh, Darrell Williams, who were selected at the end of spring ball, uh, we had a vote on the, uh, the 22nd uh, for an additional offense, an additional defense, an additional special teams captain. Uh, the team selected uh, Tommy Stevens as our offensive captain um, by an overwhelming vote. I think he had three times as many votes as any other offensive player on the roster. Uh, the defensive vote was a little bit closer, uh, but Brian Cole uh, was selected as our defensive captain. And then uh, Cody Schecksnader was picked as our special teams captain. And I think that also speaks to, uh, you know, for Tommy, the belief that, the, that the, his teammates having him after only being here for a very short amount of time for, you know, who he is as a person, his leadership capability and his play. You know, certainly the same for Brian and Cody Schecksnader. I think uh, you're not gonna see a guy who bleeds More maroon and white, who is more positive, who has so much energy, and even though he doesn't necessarily factor uh, a great bit in terms of on the field play, he's a guy that that is a great team player, and I think he definitely earned the right to be a captain. So we're excited about that leadership.
3: Obviously, you're familiar with Coach and Tommy. Um, What have you seen in his game compared to when you had him at Penn State to where he's developed to now? I've
2: seen a lot more maturity and a lot more understanding and, uh, you know, early on in Tommy's career and kind of 16 and maybe not so much in 17 that, that he's so incredibly athletic and gifted physically as a runner, as a thrower, he would kind of fall back on those things and maybe not be as precise in the details of it. And, and what I've seen throughout camp and, you know, heading into practice week is a maturation and an understanding of the, of the details, you know, where maybe in the past he would not, you know, change a protection thinking he could get the ball out if it wasn't picked up or maybe not go through his reads and kind of improvise. Uh, he still has the improvisational skills, but, but he's, uh, he's, he's doing a much better job understanding the scheme and, and how, it, uh, how it affects his decision-making and, and, and his
8: productivity. You imagine Tommy coming, getting three times as many votes as any other offensive player. I mean, what kind of volumes does that speak to his ability to step in? And I guess what have you seen from him just from day one of getting onto campus and stepping into a leadership role?
2: Yeah, that's it's. Uh, did you go to the same school your whole life? Did you ever, no, I'm mean, being I mean, Did you ever, you ever go to a new school? I mean, it's like being the, the, the new kid at school on the first day, and it, it's it's. Uh, I want to say it's hard, but I, I think when when you get a chance, and I think you all have a chance to you know sit down and talk with Tommy and meet him. You know, he comes from a good family. He, he's a very humble kid, but confident in his abilities, and, and as a guy that can get along with, you know, every type of player on the team, and, and and I think that's what's ingratiated him to to his teammates that he came in and you know wasn't you know. Uh, beating his chest and doing a lot of talking and, and saying I believe don't be one of the guys till you're one of the guys And I, I think early on he let his actions You know through how he was working out and how he was doing the throwing with the guys speak for themselves And I think once people got to know him on a, on a personal level that see he's a really laid-back guy So like I said it you know for the, for the team to think that much of him to vote him a captain and he's only been here since You know the summer. I think it speaks a lot for him and for his teammates and what, how they believe in him
5: all right, Shane. So, I mean, Joe Moorhead had a ton of praise to throw Tommy Stevens' way. And I don't know, if I hear this and I'm a Mississippi State fan, I know the hype is already, you know, reaching insane levels with this Tommy Stevens. But the the fact that he's, his teammates, his new teammates, named him a team captain, I just think, uh, I don't know, that gives me even more confidence in this guy.
6: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to think about it. Some of these players been hanging out with each other for four years it's now you're talking about some kid that's you know that wasn't even with your school last year that didn't have a starting position going into the season and to, to get all the votes from the team i mean and he's your team leader so that i mean you got to feel good about that that means uh the team
5: has bought into what coach's uh decision was mm-hmm. now sticking here with mississippi state shane obviously a big question we all had what is the status of Keeton thompson uh, Joe moorhead talked about that and then he was also asked about possibly the two quarterback system and uh, Joe moorhead kind of shut the door on that really quickly
3: with Keeton entering the transfer portal and
5: things or week, what's kind of Keeton's status
3: right now with the team is is there any chance of a return uh, bag just kind of where does
1: keton stand right now
2: yeah um yeah, i love KT. he's a great kid and you know certainly uh was uh you know involved in a very healthy and spirited competition which You know, unfortunately for him, he came out on the short end, and, uh, you know, we met the day that we announced it with him, uh, with he and Tommy, and then came back the next day and and discussed his uh, desire to put his name in the portal and explore his options. Uh, Myself, KT, and Coach Briner met yesterday. We're scheduled to meet again either today or tomorrow and kind of see where he's at with that. But, uh, you know, I understand that's part of it, and student athletes are exploring, you know, the different possibilities, and I think it's probably uh, most common at that position. Um, but, uh, you know, we'd love to have KT back. Uh, we're going to continue to talk to him and see where it goes. And like I said, at the end of the day, uh, you know, we made a decision we felt was best for the maroon and white and for, for our and for our team. And KT's, you know, checking to see what he feels is best for him. And, you know, that's – you look across the country at, you know, starting quarterbacks being named and, you know, the next day or so, someone going in the portal. So uh, we got a quarterback from the portal, you know, We'd love to keep one. We could potentially lose one, but, you know, that's the landscape of college football right now. portal giveth and the portal taketh away.
3: Coach, I'm not, not sure you would try it this year or if you have uh, we'll try it here at Mississippi State, but what's your opinion on the two quarterback system and have you ever done that as a coordinator and just your thoughts on that?
2: Two in the game at the same time or rotating quarterbacks? No, I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan, nor, nor have I done that. Maybe by quarter, I could think maybe back to Akron. We did that a tiny bit, but I think having played the position... You know, and, and people, some people have done it successfully, but I don't feel like you can ever have the guy get in a groove. No, you can have two in a game at the same
5: time. That's a, a different deal, but I'm not a fan of rotational quarterback play. All right, Shane. So it sounds like, you know, Keeton may stay. I certainly expect him to explore his options. That's obviously why he went in the transfer portal. Maybe there's just not a school that's going to be as good as Mississippi State that's willing to take him. It seems like a lot of these guys that leave an SEC program they usually go to, you know, Sunbelt or,
1: mm-hmm.
5: you know, some school like that. I don't know if Keeton Thompson really wants to take that route, but um, he's got to do what's best for him. But it certainly seems, sounds like Joe Moorhead is is very open to having him return. And I thought it was interesting what he said about, uh, you know, he's never been a fan of the two-quarterback system, and maybe that is kind of why he never really gave Keeton Thompson a chance last year. That may explain it a little bit more, you know, we always wondered all last year why he didn't give this kid a chance, and maybe that was the answer right there.
6: Yeah, you no, know, it's kind of funny because maybe I read it a little different. I just I kind of felt like he he wasn't going to put up a fight, you know. And, and honestly, I think that with a little with a little TLC, maybe he could have got him to come back. But it just kind of felt like. I don't know, maybe I'm reading into it that KT. maybe KT's mind's already made up, he's gone, and uh, Coach knows, you know, there's nothing there, and he's wishing him the best. That's kind of the vibe I was feeling.
5: That's interesting, Shane. And I also think that the fact that he shut it down so quick, I mean, along with everything he said about Tommy Stevens – I mean, he's just full full on uh, in the time of oh, Steven's yeah. boat. You know what?
6: Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's chauffeuring around the, the school right now, you know. Anything <laughs> he needs, Coach has got.
5: <laughs> All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Baton Rouge, where Coach O met with the media here. And, you know, they're playing a Georgia Southern team that, you know, there are heavy favorites against them, obviously. But there's one thing, Shane, that could be the great equalizer – and I'm certainly not suggesting you should be on upset alert here, Shane. But we, heck, we've seen it before, man. Uh, what? Remember last year, the Citadel? I mean, weren't they? Yeah. They were leading Alabama. So a lot of playing these triple option teams comes down to, you know, reading your keys, uh, playing disciplined football, and just defensive backs willing to make tackles. I mean, it it really does come down to all that. So that's something that was on Coach O's mind here. I picked apart all basically all he had to say about defending the triple option and tackling. I just thought this was kind of interesting.
1: To go off that, I guess, how far back does your staff and analysts and whatnot start preparing for how to stop a triple option? I would say
9: uh, we started breaking them down last uh, February. Started looking at them in the spring. Uh, analysts did a great job in um, recruiting, In the recruiting period. We had extensive uh, meetings on them. We had walkthroughs on them, so we've been preparing for them since the spring.
0: Ed, last week you were talking about questions you still had. One of them was mm-hmm. tackling like you were talking there. Mm-hmm. How Where is the team at with that, and how do you uh, build for that this week yeah. and solve that issue? You, 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 we work on it. We work on
9: tackling circuit every day. Obviously, you don't tackle every day in practice. We're tackling on scrimmages. Last scrimmage was only uh, helmets. So uh, you got to get in the first game, and We're going to practice tackling every day this week. Got to get in the first game and see where we're at.
3: Uh, playing a triple option, triple option team like Georgia Southern, how does that speak to the, the value of having uh, analysts as part of your staff? And yeah. to that end, what, what, what role has Dennis Johnson played in yeah. that, since obviously he hasn't been able to coach hands-on on the field? You know, it's funny you mentioned
9: that. I was just talking about that this morning. Um, I got to work about 5:30 this morning. There were about eight coaches there already, and uh, I get in there and do the things I need to do. And I walk down the hall. Kevin Call has uh, has a tip sheet to give to the cornerbacks. Uh, it has pictures on it about splits and certain routes and all the routes that they run. And that's just another tool for us that. Two years ago, we didn't have, and that's going on all over at every position. Uh, We have Kevin Cosgrove, that was um, a defensive coordinator at Wisconsin, who who played against them. He was at New Mexico State last year, who played against these guys, and is excellent at defending the option. And those guys are in the room, we have Bill Johnson, uh, that uh, played at Texas A and M, that played against the option. So we have a lot of knowledge. Uh, We have a lot of guys that uh, have a lot of great suggestions. And I think Dave has put it all together. He's gonna to have a great plan,
8: Coach. You talked about you know triple option that team. You know they don't turn the ball over very much, but you know they've also won like the last ten games. They won the rushing battle in. So what else are they doing in those games that that just gets them the edge?
9: Well, they go you know they run that wheel route and that rail route, and uh, all of a sudden it's wide open. You get your safeties to pop up. You get another guy in the box, and they see it. They do a great job of calling plays. Go play action pass and throw the ball right behind your head, and there's the guy wide open. Typical option team. The thing that what happens when this quarterback gets on the edge, he's very dangerous. He can make you miss, and he'll pitch it at any time. That's where they make their big plays.
5: All right, Shane. So, obviously, LSU is going to have a huge advantage in this game when it comes to talent and athletes. But we're, I think we're going to find out pretty quick how – how well these analysts have done to helping scheme up for this triple option and how willing these Tigers are to, you know, you got to think maybe some of them, you know, maybe not because it's a season opener, but there's such a huge game looming week two at Texas. You cannot afford to overlook a triple option team like this or they I mean, they'll embarrass you.
6: Absolutely. Dude, trust me. When we played Georgia Tech a couple of years ago, that one (laughs) came down to the freaking end, man. And I felt like we had better talent, but it just, it was three yards here, four yards there. They were just on the field all game long. Next thing you know, it's, I mean, what is it?
5: Do we got a point spread out on this game yet? LSU is favored by twenty-eight points, of four touchdowns. Yeah, see, I just, I, I'm not
6: a fan of gambling on a spread team or a a triple option team, just Mm -hmm. because it it could go either way. It could be like Citadel, and then it could be like Georgia and Georgia Tech last year. You know, (laughs) you just never know.
5: Yeah, and the way LSU says they're kind of you know run their offense, spreading out, throwing all over. I mean, what happens? I mean, there's two things that could happen here that could be actually bad Shane you know obviously three and outs would be bad but quick scores in the passing game if your defense has to defend a 12 play 60 yard drive and then the offense comes out and scores in two plays defense got to run back right back out there yeah that's a recipe for a disaster against one of these triple option teams too oh dude without a doubt
6: and it's just it just really depends that because you have got to play sound fundamental football on defense and and I think LSU's capable I think Dave will get these guys ready I think they'll be fine and I may be overreacting but I just I, I hate I hate seeing triple option teams because in the back of your mind you're always afraid that once because once a triple option team gets the lead and it, if they keep moving the ball it's kind of hard to create that big play momentum you know because it's just they just chewing the clock up so I'm not and again I'm not saying LSU is gonna this is even gonna be a contest but you know still in the back of your mind you
5: know (laughs) I think the positive here for LSU though is that they get it week one and it's not like in the middle of the year to where they have to completely switch up and they're banged up and they're watching their knees you know so it, it is a benefit to get this game week one get it out of the way you know what
6: Oh, for sure. And they got, you know, he's already talking about it, you know. So they're, they're already prepping for this thing. They'll be ready. Coach O says they've been
5: prepping since February. <laughs> 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 All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Athens where Kirby Smart met with the media here on Monday.
1: Oh, dogs, sick him.
5: <laughs> and uh, obviously the only SEC game here on the slate, the Bulldogs traveling to Nashville. But I know it's a road game, but from everything I'm hearing, Shane, it's going to be a home game for the Bulldogs. Uh, let's jump to Kirby on preparing for an unknown quarterback because they don't know. If this is going to be Riley Neal. Is it going to be Deuce Wallace? Is it going to be both? They have no idea. So he touches on that, and I also wanted to touch on the fact that, uh, I mean, he gives credit Vanderbilt credit for being a home team, but uh, it's it's not going to be a home home game for Vanderbilt. Kirby,
2: Derek said he's going to take the quarterback situation right up to kickoff. Yeah. Just the challenge of
3: that, and um, not a ton of footage on Wallace. How much have y'all watched from Ball State uh, regarding Neal?
4: Well, both. We've seen him be able to play there. We've got cut-ups there. Some of our coaches here recruited him uh, out of high school and aware of him, and you know a little bit of footage of each one, really. And. I've been there before in the quarterback situation, so I know uh, how it goes and being able to manage it. But, you know, we'll expect to be able to see both those guys. And if one of them plays the whole game, that probably means he's playing well. Uh, And if we see both of them, they may be telling both of them they can play. But we've got to prepare for both, um, be ready to face both. And it's not going to be as much about those guys as the guys around them because the guys around them are really good players. And they'll be as good as we face at those three positions this season at those three positions. Coach, I think first time you guys
5: are opening on the road in a conference game since before you were even here. Georgia people travel well to Vanderbilt and have in the past. What do you expect from that, and how tough is it to go in somebody else's house to open the season?
4: Yeah, our fans do a wonderful job traveling. I think when you get an opportunity for a three-day weekend and it involves Nashville, th- their fans will be the same way ours are. It's a, it's a tough ticket right now because people want to go. People want to go to Nashville. People want to go. to. It's a place they enjoy going, and their fans are the same way. So it's a limited number of seats altogether compared to most SEC stadiums. So it'll be a tough ticket to get, and it should be that way. Uh, Our players are excited about playing in that kind of atmosphere and against a really good football team. I think it's very different when you open with a conference team because of the, uh, I guess, the enormous amount of pressure that becomes, are you going to execute in the moment because your margin of error Is reduced drastically compared to you know opening with a school that's maybe not a Power Five program or something. So you got to be organized, you got to be detailed, uh, you got to focus, and really got to be unselfish. And we talked a lot about that with our players. That only seventy guys going, there's going to be some guys sitting at home that are really good football players for us.
5: All right, Shane. From everything I'm hearing, it's Labor obviously Labor Day weekend, three day weekend for a lot of people. Mm I think it's going to be Dog Nation descending on my town to Nashville here. I might, yeah. Heck, I might even go down to Broadway and say what's up to some of these people, but I, I just got a chuckle here with Kirby talking about uh, the tough – how how difficult it could be opening on the road here.
6: Nope, not tough at all.
5: You know, you know I'm, I'm not
6: bashing Vandy. I mean, that – Something that Kirby hit hard on, you know, that he has to pre- prepare for both quarterbacks. It has nothing to do with quarterback mics. You know, he, I, th- I think Kirby really doesn't care who he puts back there. It's the talent that's around these quarterbacks, because something he pointed out is they are some of the best talent in the nation. So um, that's something you got to be prepared for because they, it's, you know, we. I like to make fun of Vanderbilt because I'm a Tennessee fan, but honestly, they have got some serious serious talent on I mean, we're talking playing on Sunday talent around them quarterbacks
5: yeah i mean that's kind of been the hype for Vanderbilt all off season shane i mean they got some elite players at the skill position but i've see the huge question mark offensive line and quarterback if they really do hit on a quarterback here this could be a really surprising week 1 game you know because there's there's so many times and i'm not saying this is going to be the case i know we're both high on georgia but i mean just look at college football history. Every year there's a top 10 team that falls flat on their face, and mm-hmm. it usually starts with a huge upset week one, you know, where, yeah. they're, where they're not, no one's expecting it. This is on the road, so maybe there's something to what Kirby's saying here. You go on the road, you're having a good old time, we're going to invade Nashville, this will be an easy win. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if Keyshawn Vaughn breaks out for 200 yards, there's – it may not turn out as like you think it's going to. So uh, that's that's something to hit on there. And
6: uh, It, it kind of reminds me of uh, the Missouri game last year. You know, everybody just, including myself, just thought Georgia was going to go up there and kill Missouri. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, through the quarter, it's not like they just blew them out of the water. You know, it was a close game almost the entire thing. And then fourth quarter they were able to separate a little bit, but it took some breaks. Mm-hmm. So it kind of – feels like this. And like I said, I'm not saying that Georgia should be on upset alert or anything like that, but bandied has enough pieces to make this game competitive. If they, you know, if everything breaks their way
5: and final thing here on the bulldog shine, I just thought this was interesting. You know, we touched on it recently here when Kirby was asked about national championships or bus. He didn't really appreciate that question, but he does embrace the fact that there are incredible expectations in Athens. He says it should be, it should be that way every year. Kirby,
3: the the expectations here are always very high. They're high again this year. You've always been a guy who believes in embracing the expectations instead of trying to downplay them. W- where does that come from? Why is that the way to go?
4: Well, it's reality. I mean, I don't think that you run from that. I, I don't really know a team in the SEC that doesn't have high expectations. I don't know a team in the country that doesn't have high expectations. I think embracing them faces the fact that, you have a standard that we have here of excellence and you want everyone to attain that. So from the redshirt freshman to the walk-on to the graduate transfer senior, you embrace the fact that our intent, our, our our drive is to be the best. And every day we go out to practice, every meeting we go in, every walkthrough we do, our intent is to go out and be the best we can. And if we have those expectations upon ourselves, it really doesn't matter what the outside world has. We're not going to be affected by what someone else says or, or someone else says we should do and, and all the people that, are, that rank teams and they really don't know. There's no team that has deserved any ranking they've gotten at this point. So for us those expectations are sometimes unwarranted, but we inside, believe we have a certain standard of excellence, and we've got to recognize that, and we've got to perform to it day in and day out, and that starts this week. It's our first chance to say, are we going to perform to our standard? And that's what we're going to measure ourselves on is this game and this game alone, and the things we don't do well, we're going to work on. The things we do do well, we're going to continue to improve
5: on. I really liked what Kirby had to say here. That's just the way it is in the SEC, Shane. I mean, everybody in each team has high expectations, and I think they should because the reality is I don't care who you are in the SEC. If you go undefeated, or you don't even have to go undefeated, if you win the conference, you're going to go to the college football playoffs. So if nothing else, you have a path to do that. Um, and every, and mm-hmm. most fan bases are expecting you to at least contend for that. So mm-hmm. obviously that's what, even though Georgia's not won a national championship in a while, they're, they've been knocking at the door the last couple of years. They're going to be knocking at it again this year, and Kirby's fully embracing that.
6: I really do think that this is a big game for both teams. I mean, mm-hmm. I think Derek Mason's playing for something this year, and and I'm not saying it's his job. I'm not putting him on the hot seat, but just it kind of has that vibe coming into this season, and, you know, he can't afford blowout games against Georgia, and I know that's hard. easier said than done. But they do have talent, and a lot of people recognize the talent that they do have on that team. Now, on the flip side of the coin, here you got Georgia that's got great expectations, just like Coach was saying. This is their year, and they're going to be showcased, you know, first Saturday uh, in football, man. It's going to be SEC. SEC is the only one that's going on, and they have an opportunity to show the conference just how dominant they can be this season. So I think there's a lot of – A lot of pressure riding on this game.
5: Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of pressure, Shane, let's jump on down to Rocky Top. Where old old eyelash gate continues, Shane. (laughs) Sophomore quarterback, starting quarterback. I think he's probably the best defensive player on the team. Bryce Thompson suspended indefinitely. We don't know how long, but he's not going to play in this first game, it certainly sounds like. And a little window into uh, our life outside of the podcast for the listeners when this news was announced i put it out there cousin shane was driving into work that's why he wasn't tweeting his angry words Uh, he gave me a ring on the phone was just nothing but profanities and (laughs) he was fired up so let's get your thoughts shane what was your reaction when you heard this news
6: obviously i was upset mike you know i mean here i am driving and you know, we got the new law here. You can't have your phone. You get a ticket, and I'm a law-abiding citizen. You know what I'm saying? So I don't want to do that. But I did see the alert on my phone, and uh, I said I can't tweet about it. I didn't want to pull over beside the, the road because I mean that's how mad it was. I was I was willing to be late for work pull over the side of the road and tweet angry things just because I needed it out. But thanks for being there. You know, I was able to vent with you mm-hmm. and uh, you made me feel better. And I, you know, I didn't say anything I would regret at work. You know, I didn't <laughs> take it with me. So that was good. So, but I, I'm frustrated, Mike, because we, we kicked this kid off the team over hearsay, and now I'm hearing this. I knew Dan Wilkens was going to say something, and there he goes. He tweeting something, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, the three witnesses, you know. Yeah, Dan, you weren't there either. So, the thing that that gets me is he did not hurt anyone. You know what I'm saying? He did not assault this woman. There was no assault. When people hear domestic assault, they think of assault, like physical assault. There was no assault. He assaulted a gate. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, he ripped a gate. He hurt himself. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's what he did. And then, did he say something that he shouldn't have? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I guarantee it. But I'm going to tell you what. If anybody on this podcast has got a significant other... I'm telling you right now, nobody gets me to a hundred quicker than my wife. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I could be, I could be happy, go lucky. And two seconds later, I'm ready to rip a gate out of the floor. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Because she knows how to get to me. And then I say things that I wish, I mean, I immediately regret, but in the heat of the moment you, when you're seeing red, you know, sometimes you say things that you wish you wouldn't have, and you wouldn't have if it was different situations. So, I just, I don't know. I mean, we're the media buried this kid before we, they already painted a narrative on this kid before we even knew the story. They're just, uh, the the picture up, him in jail, and it's, oh, I'm not hearing good things, and uh, and it just snowballs. And then we finally get the story, and then it's like, it had nothing to do with domestic. Now it's like all about what he said to three witnesses. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So this thing was already done before it got, before, before the, the Tennessee got involved with it.
5: I gotta say, Shane, this is the first time in a podcast history on this show that we've had one of us choking on our own rage. <laughs> but, but you did that, so I, I appreciate that, Shane. Uh, but let's go back to the football team. Jeremy Pruitt met with the team here on Monday, and he gave, you know, I don't know if you would even want to call these updates, but he just kind of gave the latest here with Trey Smith and Aubrey Solomon. I know this is obviously the, the big topics there in Knoxville. And then he also touched on uh, on the first game of the season and kind of the unknowns, what he'll be looking for from his team. start with, um, everybody's always going to ask about Trey Smith. Okay, the plan's
3: not changed with Trey. Uh, our doctors and medical folks will continue to, to work hard to try to find a way to allow him the opportunity to play. Uh, he has had a chance to participate in a couple of practices this camp, uh, and we're just going to kind of stay the course there, and uh, it'll really be a game-time decision with that. Um, you know, Aubrey Solomon's another topic that always comes up, um, still... Same thing there, you know, hadn't heard anything yet. Um, and we're going to continue to practice like he's going to play. Uh, so we're all our guys take a lot of reps at practice, um, and we're going to continue to do that. So it helps us to create some depth uh, on both sides of the ball.
7: Uh, Jeremy,
5: what are the biggest things you're trying to learn about your team uh, on Saturday?
3: You know, if you look, um, to me, one of the most important things is is everybody – uh when things are going good uh you know you you see you see guys that they they got a little pep in their step when things are going the right way uh well things don't always go the right way uh so to me that's one of the things one of the most important things is is, is how we're going to handle adversity uh as a team um do you have a penalty okay uh do we make a mistake do we got a second and 12 hey do we get behind um you know, there's a reason it's a 60-minute game. Uh, it's one play at a time. Um, so I want to see how we handle adversity, see how we respond. Um, I, I think that's that's a huge part of this football team in uh, the maturity and growth of where we were a year ago. Jimmy, with first games a lot of times, you know, maybe so many unknowns compared to what you'll see throughout the rest of the year. As a head coach, does that get you excited about what you might see or, or kind of make you a little nervous about what you might see on Saturday? Well, when you have turnover in coaching staffs, um, you know, are you going to get what they did at this last school or are you going to get kind of what they were before, you know? So, yeah, there's lots of unknowns. So, um, hey, we, we, we're going to be simple on both sides of the ball, give our kids a chance to play fast, um, you know, and and try to – try to win each play in itself. You know, we have goes offensively for every play, defensively. So we're going to take it one play at a time and and uh, play together and have
5: fun while we're doing it. All right, Shane. So it's – I mean, it's kind of crazy that we're in the game week and we don't officially know Trey Smith, Aubrey Solomon, what their status is. Probably the best – well, clearly the best offensive lineman Tennessee's got. Probably the best defensive lineman they got. We got no idea if they're going to be on the field. And uh, Jeremy Pruitt – it sounds like, uh, you know, I, I appreciate his transparent, transparency here. It sounds like uh, he's not sure what he's got in a lot of his guys here based on his comment.
6: I'll prove it. i am telling you what, Mike. You get me all fired up, and then you bring me back down, you know? <laughs> we should have led with this. we got to start doing these earlier, because I ain't going to sleep again tonight. Uh, well, obviously, I don't handle adversity too well, Mike. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, you know, I, I guess, you know, with young people, you know, that's usually what you have from from your older classmen is they, they usually got their stuff together. And if something bad happens, they you typically bounce back quicker. The problem is we've got a lot of young talent on this team, and we don't know the answer. You know, it's like he says, there's some people that are going to react in different ways, and they're good when things are good, but how do they react when adversity hits? And they're not – hopefully we're not going to know that answer until week three. You know what I'm saying? And my, I hope, uh, you know, but I, it may be week two, BYU. I pray that it's not week one. Uh, if we're having adversity week one, then we got a long season ahead of us.
5: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Lexington. Where Mark Stoops met with the media and the biggest topic, you know, I think this is kind of the thing we've been asking all off season, but it's just kind of asked in a different way. Uh, the kind of the same thing with Jeremy Pruitt's program, but Mark Stoops got a lot of unknowns with his Wildcats, and how do those guys respond to the fact that they're coming off a ten win season? Now a lot of these guys obviously contributed to that team, but they weren't the stars of that team. And now they're being asked to step up and to become the stars. How do they react, knowing it's a uh, you know? It, it's kind of crazy to think, could Kentucky be, I don't, I don't know if cocky is the right word, but just kind of expecting to show up and win because they're Kentucky. Uh, I thought uh, this was kind of some interesting comments here from Mark Stoops. You
6: know, Big Blue Nation is really excited about how the season ended last year, and of course the anticipation to start this year. And it's got to really come over onto the team, too, and the players got to be excited about getting back out there. How do you keep them in check that they don't come
8: this Saturday, and the excitement takes over and they forgot to play football. Well, that's part of, um, you know, the, what they pay me for.
0: <laughs> you know, <laughs> so um, you know
8: it's, it's, you know, motivation and, and how we handle our players on a day-to-day basis is a lot to do with it and getting them ready to go because uh, it's a very, very long year, but that is part of it. You know, you can go back, and I'll use it, as an example, you know we always, uh, you know, we, we learn the best from, from mistakes. You know, a lot of times, and uh, you know, there's been openers here before. You know, and you could go back to uh, Southern Miss, and our team just overly excited, come out and play fantastic in the first half, and I think uh, left a lot out there just left it, left it there left it in this locker room and, and that's part of it is just handling the emotions especially guys that haven't played much you know some of the older guys that have played a lot of football understand that and how to harness that and contain themselves but guys that haven't played a lot and we're counting on them in large roles here this week that is part of it just emotionally handling it handling the opener just how we go through Pre-game and our routine, and we've already done that twice, just so it's not you know fresh to them uh, when they walk out here on Saturday. But that's part of it, you know. Is uh, is it, if you you know you may or not, may not remember, but that that's you know what I talk about all the time is, is I very much stay in a rhythm. You know, I talk about the situation, and that's the situation. This situation is it's the opener. Playing Toledo, we're at home. It's a new season, and uh, that's part of what we'll talk about.
5: All right, Shane, so you know, you got to be a – I don't want to say upset alert. I don't know if that's the right word, but Toledo is actually a very good team. I think they won four of their last five. They got seniors and juniors all up and down the two deep. Uh, they need to be on their best game. Otherwise, Toledo is going to come in here and make this thing interesting, I think. Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah. Better not be worried about bass fishing, I'll tell you that right now, because <laughs> Toledo – they, I mean, it, honestly, Toledo's one of those teams you see like every other year upset somebody, it feels like. Mm-hmm. So uh, this could be one of those years. I, I will say this on the flip side of the coin, and, and maybe I just I get caught up in hype videos. You know me, Mike. Sometimes I watch them, and then I feel better about a team. And I watched that little docuseries that they sent out of Terry Wilson yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like a little seven minute deal on Twitter. I tell you what, I'm I'm sold, man. Terry's back, you know. So I think I don't think Toledo's gonna be a problem. I think uh I think we're gonna see I think we're gonna see a different offense, and I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm ready to see a little bit more, you know, I don't know, just a little more passing, a little just a little bit more flair out of Kentucky's offense. And I just wanna see the defense stay the same. If they stay the same as last year, they'll be in good shape.
5: All right, Shane, final thing here on the Wildcats. So much like Aubrey Solomon, Kentucky's still waiting to hear about the status, the waiver status here of Xavier Peters. Uh, this was kind of a funny exchange here, but obviously it's uh, unfortunate that they're still waiting and we're in the game week here.
8: You're still playing
0: the waiting game of Xavier Peters, is there?
8: Yeah, I mean, he's out right now until someone comes in me there <laughs>
0: Do you have to, like, call them and knock on their door to get into call? <laughs> no,
8: um, no, there's a call? No, there's a lot of things that we, you know, had to get in order as well, and, and uh, information we had to get from Florida State, and they have to do a part, so it, it takes some time.
3: Mark, there's so much uh, hype for him right now, but if he were eligible, would he be ready to play right, right now? I know Mark, or Brad said last week he had
8: three outside linebackers he go good about this. Well, yeah, it would be hard for him at this point just because just the time he's been here. You know, as you know, he'd um, you know, be a second year called retro freshman, and um, you know, for, for him to be totally new in our system um, you know, takes some time. Heard me say it a bunch of times about that position. It's it's most definitely a different position. It takes a you know there's a lot of nuances to playing outside linebacker and standing up on your feet. So um, you know it'll take some time.
5: All right, Shane. So for if you don't know the story, the listeners outside of Kentucky fans may not know the story here. Xavier Peters was, I believe, an Under Armour All-American. Is a very touted recruit. Went down to Florida State. I believe he was down there for just two seasons. He's from Ohio. I think it's close to the Kentucky border where he's from. And he's got an infant son. So that's was part of his waiver where he wanted to be able to see his son more often. And I mean, this is the same guy, this is the same thing that he transferred months and months and months and months ago. And yet the NCAA has not ruled on this waiver. Peters would probably be a starter on back on Kentucky's linebacking core. uh, And at least Mark Stoops kind of uh, was able to laugh it off a little bit. But, uh, I mean, much like Tennessee fans and Solomon, I mean, Kentucky fans and and this program, they deserve an answer here on Peters before the season starts, I would think. I agree.
6: And I, I will say this. I don't know where Kentucky's doing this daggone press conference thing, you know. <laughs> Are they doing it in the back of a van or something? I don't know. I could barely hear. I did not hear the joke. I just heard people laughing. Do you know what that was about? Well,
5: they they were just asking him, um, you know, <laughs> because the NCAA has not informed him, they, he they asked – do you go and knock on their door and ask them what in the hell they're doing? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> where
6: yeah, I know, man. There's people. Let me ask you something. You said his son. Now, his
5: is his son living in Lexington? I don't believe so. I think he's oh. in Ohio. But uh, that's the thing. If he if he lives in Lexington, he can go. He can drive up and see him on his day off. Where. Obviously, he couldn't do that when he was at Florida State the last two years.
6: Oh, okay. I was going to say, well, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, this, I'm, The portal, I'm, it just drives me nuts. I love the portal. I love the concept of the portal. Mm-hmm. But it this, this picking and choosing and, you know, these high-profile players, they get immediate eligibility, yet the other ones, it's just like, they're not big news, you know, even though I feel like they're starting to become bigger news. Mm-hmm. But I think it's—I think they're going to crack down at the wrong time. You know, that's what it feels
5: like. Yeah, for whatever reason, it's like the quarterbacks get it, but everyone else, not so much. Yeah, it's, it drives me nuts. And what's his name down there in uh, Florida?
6: The one that's transferred all around the country, you know, and now he's over in USC. And even though he was going to go to Oregon, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, now, now he's going to be with family, you know. Yeah, let's, let's, let's let him off the hook. So drives me nuts. I, but I, my favorite quote today from the portal, did you hear what um, uh, Joe Moore had said about it?
5: <laughs> the portal giveth and the portal taketh <laughs> away. I love it, man. I love it. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Tuscaloosa. Right. Todd. Nick Saban had his presser here, the first presser of the season, and, uh, you know, he didn't say a ton that was too interesting, kind of talked up uh, the neutral site games. Obviously, that's something Alabama's been doing every year. It looks like they're finally starting to get away from it, thankfully. Uh, pra- he praised David Cutcliffe. I mean, that's what you got to do when you're going up against a Duke team that doesn't have a chance in hell to beat you. You you praise the coach because he is mm-hmm. a good coach. But uh, one thing did stand out to me, Shane, on Christian Harris, the true freshman, he's going to start at inside linebacker. Alabama released their first depth chart of the season. Uh, not only is D.J. Dale starting, the true freshman on the defensive line, I think that was to be expected. Christian Harris, he's penciled in as a starter as well. Uh, so let's jump to Nick Saban talking about Christian Harris. And then we also found a clip of Dylan Moses, uh, who's going to be starting next to Christian Harris. I just thought this was uh, fascinating. I, did, I was not aware of this. I thought this was kind of this was something that our listeners would appreciate.
0: Obviously, Christian Harris is uh, listed as the starter. What impressed you about him to be able to be elevated to that position already? Well, he's a very aggressive player. And you know, sometimes you have to make decisions with young players, even though they may not have a total understanding of doing everything exactly like you'd like for him to do it. Uh, their ability to make plays, uh, and their sort of want to in terms of learning how to do it and developing is going to allow them to make the improvement that they need to make to be the most consistent player. And um, we just felt like after two scrimmages, the way he played, that uh, he was the guy that would give us the best chance long term to develop at that position. We still, like some other guys, there is still competition at the position, and we'll continue to evaluate
7: that. I feel uh, in fall camp, you know, he was just playing fast and doing what he usually did, doing what he got, what got him recruited. And, you know, caught the eye of the coaches and that's what happened.
6: He's kind of converted from cornerback, right?
7: Right, you know, I don't think he ever played linebacker in high school, I think he was just cornerback receiver. So, and I think he was turning, returning as well. So, How's oh, his coverage? Is good. Uh, his coverage is really great. You know, I've seen flashes, you know, him picking off the ball in practice. You know, it's like a DB at linebacker, so it's, it's, it's good. We needed that.
5: All right, Shane, so how about that? I mean, a high school defensive back three months into a program, essentially starting for, you know, what is the most high-profile college in the nation, an inside linebacker. I mean, this is an incredible story, I think.
7: Yeah, absolutely, man.
6: And it's just crazy to me. To, to, usually it's the opposite, you know. Maybe he was a, a bigger player, but he just wasn't big enough to be a linebacker, so we moved him back to as a defensive back because he mm-hmm. had speed. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy to me to feel like this kid was a defensive back last year, and now he's going to be a starting linebacker for the University of Alabama. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, uh, they, uh, they, oh, what's his name? Put some dang weight on this boy.
5: Yeah, so if he's as good as they're building him up, Shane, imagine a year down the road, two years down the road when he <laughs> understands the position. I mean, I'm not yeah. saying he doesn't. Clearly he does if he's going to be starting, but he, he surely doesn't have a, uh, the complete grasp of it if it's a new position to him. But I don't know. I just thought this was fascinating. And uh, I don't know. Alabama may have found them a real gem here at the inside linebacker that a few months ago no one saw coming. I mean, if if
6: you read between the lines, it almost sounds like Saban said, you know what, this kid, yeah, he doesn't know all the ins and outs just yet, but he's just too daggone good to keep off the field. <laughs> it feels like he just wants to cut him loose, you know?
5: Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, sticking with Alabama here, I just thought this was kind of interesting, too. I got something, just want to throw it at you. I want to hear your thoughts on it. But uh, Tua was announced as he's going to be the holder this year for Alabama, and You know, usually that's a punter or some kind of specialist or maybe a backup quarterback, but Tua took it upon himself to earn that role. And, uh, I mean, he really goes into detail here. So uh, let's jump to Tua.
7: First team holder on the depth chart we just got. What goes into that role and how much time do you spend on that? Yeah, you know, I spend more time, you know, practicing my holding, you know, more than I actually do my throwing. You know, holding holding is um, (laughs) is actually – like a really really hard thing. I I literally think that's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Like holding is really hard. Like to match, you know, like with the center, put the ball down and the laces are facing forward. That's not an easy task. Now if it's in the back and you got to rotate it, sometimes you rotate it and the ball slips off your your finger that's holding it. I mean, it's it's hard especially like I I I think of a situation where let's say it's 6 to 6 and it's the fourth quarter and I got to go out there to hold and we got to go and kick a field goal and it's 2 seconds left. I'm thinking if I catch the ball and it's not matched and I got to spin it and it goes off my fingers that's going to be, you know, my fault. So like I've been working on that a good amount. So I think, you know, to answer your question why I am the starting um, holder. That's that's probably the reason is is because I catch the ball all the time as a quarterback, and um, they trust me. so. Thank you. Um, How important last is
1: the
7: laces? the laces? Oh, that's very important. To me, I think it's very important. I don't know to the kicker. I don't really, like, ask them, you know, if the laces are important or not. I just know, like, you got to tilt it towards my my side a little. Um, but, yeah, it was really hard getting this job, and, um, you know, i just like to thank everyone who's been supporting me throughout this whole process, you know, with, trying to get the holding position and, you know, just thank my Lord, Jesus
5: Christ. It was hard, but, I mean, we made it. All right, Shane. So, I mean, let me know if I'm reading too much into this, but, you know, all off season we hear about leadership and, you know, Nick Saban's not been shy. To, I think he's specifically talking about Tua. And if you got your star quarterback who may win the Heisman Trophy, I believe he had threw 40, 43 touchdowns, only had six interceptions, and you would think, you know, this guy's on he's going to be on ESPN every day of the season. You know, they're going to be talking to a, to a, to a. Yeah. But if this guy has spent this much time working on freaking holding the ball properly and doing it to such a degree with such attention to detail, I mean, I don't know if he's exaggerating here. He says he spent more time doing this than passing the ball. <laughs> if he's doing that, Imagine if you're the backup left guard at Alabama. Do you, you really think you can be not giving it 110% when you got got the best player on the team, maybe in the country, uh, working so hard to get holding the ball right? It kind of scares me, Mike. I, I mean, you know
6: what I'm saying? <laughs> Having Tua back there. It, it's, well, the, maybe I'm reading into it. Maybe this was more of a joke or something. I don't know. But it, it just felt like, I don't know. Why would you want him back there? Somebody that's been hurt. So, I mean, all it takes is one of these guys come around from the edge and runs into you. You know what I'm saying? It's 15-yard penalty, but there's your starting quarterback gone for this season. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I just – I'm not a huge fan, uh, but I, I guess Saban has his ways, and, and maybe this is something to prove – like you said, to the team that he's a true leader. And and if, you know, I, no job's too small on this team. Every little bit counts. And, you know, special teams are important, but I just don't
5: know if I want Tua back here holding the ball. All right, so I'll tell you, Shane. I just figured it out. I know why Tua's doing this. Okay. Remember last year, National Championship game, Nick Saban called the fake with the, with the damn holder <laughs> as the lead blocker and the quarterback yeah. just got destroyed. Yeah. Saban, I mean – Who has not made fun of that? I've made fun of it 50 times this offseason. Saban's heard that. He's come up with some master fake field goals with two as the holder slash quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to break out so many fakes. Two is going to be launching it from that holder position. That's what this is all about.
6: Do you know the leading uh, demographic for watching this uh, Florida-Miami game was? No, who's that? Birmingham, Alabama. And you know... I'm just saying, I'm not saying that this happened, but I'm just, I'm going off what you're saying. Maybe he's watching the gambler down there do some of these, you know, fourth down fake punts. And he says, you know what? You know, I haven't lived enough. You know, maybe I want to do a little bit more with my special teams. I can make them more special by putting my starting quarterback back there and uh, make some magic, you know, There you let, go. Me ask, let me ask you the true real question. If, Alabama scores a touchdown week one okay and they go in there to kick an extra point is Tua really going to be the holder
5: I mean based on this yeah he's going to be the holder all season long
6: I don't believe it I don't believe it I think this is just I think this is just noise man I just don't think you put him back here because you're just asking for trouble
5: all right Shane so I think that's going to do it unless you got anything before we hop off here no,
6: uh this one's kind
5: of a long one, so we'll
6: uh we'll go ahead and cut off here. But I appreciate everybody hanging out with us. It's it's official game week this week, baby. We're gonna have everybody playing this week. So I'm really looking forward to the Texas A&M game coming up and and then obviously like I said Saturday,
5: oh baby, I ain't leaving that couch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to it, Shane. Thank you for joining me as always. Thank you everyone for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one.
6: All right, see you guys. Go boss.